Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Kevin Crawford of KevinCrawfordConsulting.com. Kevin is an executive leadership deployment coach, an author, and a keynote speaker. His boots on the ground in the trenches experience is a Southern California fire chief, placed him at the center of some of the largest wildland fires, as well as command responsibilities during the 9-11 act in New York City and Hurricane Katrina. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us. Seth, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, You are welcome. We're super excited to have this interview today. Talk a little bit. Let's go back in time. How did you get started? Oh, my goodness. Well, that does go quite a ways back. Real briefly, I was on my way to medical school, and medical school said I needed to get some more practical experience. Go get that. And a friend of mine recommended that I go to paramedic school. So I went to paramedic school at UCSD and got picked up by a local fire department. And after my first fire, I fell in love with being a firefighter paramedic and never looked back. And then, you know, some 35 years down the road, ended that career, culminating at fire chief and had just an assortment of amazing experiences and met some incredible people along the way, but that's how it all started. And then that experience, along with, frankly, the way I was raised by my father, really stirred in me kind of this interest on leadership and what leadership really is about. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that really catapulted me into studying the subject of leadership was a couple of real tragic events that occurred in the fire service. One was uh, an individual who, by all right, demonstrated everything that you would classically think of leadership behaviors, and yet he took his life. And it caused me to scratch my head and wonder if somebody so well put together, so on top of things, so competent, would get to a point of taking their own life. And so that kind of started me off on this journey of understanding really what leadership is and what leadership isn't. And um, so that's kind of the nutshell, but boy, there's lots to talk about with each one of those chapters. Absolutely. So let's let's dive in a little bit deeper. What prompted uh, to talk a little bit about the book, what it's about, and what prompted you to write it? Well, as a fire chief, and I wrote it when I was a fire chief, 
you know, you kind of feel as though the weight of the world is on your shoulders. And, you know, you can find yourself getting shot at by the public, by politicians, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, there was, frankly, many lonely days sitting behind that desk wondering which direction to take and trying to just develop my own wherewithal and incompetencies to bring my best decision-making to the table in some, you know, really high-pressure situations. And keep in mind, sitting behind that desk was much more of a pressure cooker than anything I faced out in the field. And so came to mind that wouldn't it be nice if somebody had, somebody in those positions, whether it be a fire chief, a police chief, or an executive of a company, you know, just had a leadership devotional, for lack of a better word, that they could just turn to and reflect on those principles that are most important to them and that they would want to see be emblematic of their leadership. And so we developed it. And essentially, it's a leadership devotional. And it's not meant to be a heavy read. In fact, it's not a heavy read at all. It's just inspirational thought and ideas kind of ground us in those things that are more most instrumental in us being a, a character-centered leader. That makes sense. And that is absolutely incredible. And I love how you found a way to how you dealt with the own adversities and pressure you were under. And out of that came an empowering meeting to help others in all kinds of different situations. How did that turn into your second or third career, as it will, as a keynote speaker? And then let's talk about what is an executive leadership deployment coach. Okay, well, the keynote speaking really started as a result of incidents that I was on. As everyone, I'm sure, is aware of all as your listeners, I'm sure, are aware, Southern California has some notorious wildfires. And I found myself commanding a number of those fires and in different leadership responsibilities over the course of my career. And then, you know, that ended up taking me to a command role at 9-11 and then managing the incident at Hurricane Katrina for a bit. So those experiences, because they're just so noteworthy and grab so much attention, people wanted to hear about them. So they invite me to come and talk about those experiences. But it really gave me a platform to talk about what I think leadership is really all about. So I would weave in what I think is fairly unique philosophies about leadership in with those stories. And so the stories just grabbed people's attention, you know, and they wanted to hear what it was like to be at Ground Zero or what it was like to be in New Orleans, et cetera. And so those were just the nice springboards. Okay, that, again, an incredible journey. And obviously, the longer version is in the book. So let's talk a little bit. Obviously, we don't want to spill the secret sauce. But let's just, if you could, let's tease our listeners with a couple of the most important, let's say the top three most important lessons you learned from the Southern California wildfires to 9-11 to Katrina. Well, leadership is an inside-out proposition. And regrettably, most leadership this day and age is about external factors moving in. And what I mean by that is Leadership is really about the individual, the leader, the very best that they can, and the rigorous process that they go through to develop their best self, their best character. 
you know, far beyond anything that you can say, any actions that you can, I shouldn't say actions, anything that you can, you can talk about or articulate as a leader, it, it's your actions that are most profound. Now, everybody understands the axiom that actions speak louder than words, but do we really take that to heart, say to ourselves, as we are establishing our own leadership philosophy, that what are those things inside of me? What are those character have-tos, if you will, that need to be in place so that I am demonstrating the kind of leadership that really causes people to want to line up behind me and go in the direction that I'm going in. So in short, leadership is really this inside out process. And Kevin Cashman wrote a really, really good book on that title. And I want to make sure to give him credit for that because he really coined that term leadership from the inside out. And, you know, it's what kind of has sparked my leadership philosophy, which is, you know, my job as a leader is to make sure that I influence the environment that those people that I'm responsible for are provoked by that environment to bring their best to the table, to make their best decisions with regards to their own potential. So leaders are really in the potential building business. And the first potential that they have to build is within themselves. And the personal attentiveness and self-awareness that goes in to being a impactful and significant leader is a very rugged process. And that's the part that most people don't spend time with. They spend a lot of time doing those things, those actions that they think leaders are supposed to be doing. But the rigorous effort to really, you know, kind of turn the eyeballs inside and analyze how they think and how they react to the world around them and consciously establish a set of leadership values for themselves. Those kinds of things are very, very rarely done. But that in right in there lies the difference between people that espouse being a leader and people that are really leaders. Absolutely. I I think you're right on the money there. So some of those events that you were a part of um, on the 9-11 side, obviously there was a lot of praise in the media in terms of how things were handled and how everyone responded and the heroism and the efforts And then there was also a lot of the opposite. There was a lot of criticism when it came to Katrina. Let's talk for a minute about leadership lessons you learn when it seems when you're working as hard as you possibly can, more hours in the day than is normally humanly possible, and you're still getting second-guessed and criticized. How do you deal with that adversity? How do you use that as a source of strength? How do you get through something like that? Well... I can't say that I have handled this masterfully my entire career, but over the course of my career, I developed some ability to manage better under scrutiny, the kind of scrutiny that you're talking about. But where I really find myself grounded in, you know, kind of the, the one of the first values that I have is that I have to be true to myself. And to be true to yourself, you really understand, need to understand who you are, who is yourself. And if my 
you know, kind of the litmus test for me is if my eyes are on those people that are around me and I'm monitoring or overly monitoring their assessment and their opinion of me, then I get distracted with their assessment of me as opposed to really delivering the best me. And so whenever I feel myself wondering if, you know, they're being critical or if this is not meeting their expectation or if I'm disappointing or any one of those kinds of things, it's a clue to me that I'm more concerned with what they think of me than I am concerned with delivering the best product or the best leadership competencies. And that was a hard lesson to learn because all of us want to be like all of us want to be appreciated and recognized. And so we have this, this little antenna that's always up that's looking for that positive reinforcement that we're kind of jonesing for. And so then we end up playing to that and we don't end up playing our best strength. And as I said, you know, I wasn't born that way. That came through the rigors and challenges of, you know, my career and then on into being a city manager. That is really where I I find myself grounded in when people are being critical of me. And here's another perspective that I try to hold. The situations that I find myself in are just a series of situations. They're just a series of circumstances. My responsibility is to look at that objectively without finding myself caught up in the emotional ego of those issues and then just, you know, deliver my very best and and recognizing that I never please anybody. It is an impossible feat. Absolutely. I I think you've got it's got to come from within. You're absolutely right, especially in situations like that. So what is, for our listeners, what is an executive leadership deployment coach? Because I've never heard that before. Well, it is a little bit unusual. It started out just being an executive coach, and I would work with executives and try and help them be the very best selves that they could be. Then I found myself working with more CEOs and presidents and less with the middle managers. And this is an interesting little tell. Without revealing any names or the names of any of the companies, most of the CEOs that I work with now don't believe that there is a need for them to be coached. They kind of think they've arrived. When they have that name on their door, that CEO or, you know, president, you know, there's this notion that kind of comes with that. They have arrived and there is no more need for coaching. And first of all, I'd like to say, you know, my dear colleagues out there who find themselves in those positions, nothing could be further from the truth. But since they were somewhat uneasy with that definition of coaching, the work that I did with them actually came to be more about being a thought partner or a strategist with them. You got to think about the CEOs and the presidents that are out there, people that are very high positions. And it doesn't have to be just CEOs. It can be anybody in the C-suite up there or any one of the, you know, the senior VPs. They really don't have many people where they can go and they can just completely let their hair down. In most cases, the people that they talk to have some kind of stake in the game. They have some kind of some dog in the fight 
okay? And because we are frail human beings, we are often stimulating the conversations so that things go in our favor, or at least how we perceive would be in our favor. So the objectivity that really needs to be brought to some of the, the world's most complicated and sophisticated issues and problems and challenges doesn't take place. And this is one of the interesting dynamics when you sit around, you know, a, a table with a bunch of uh, executives or even non-executives is all the human psyche that's brought to bear on what should be a, a business conversation and a business decision. But that's, you know, we can talk about that later. So it became apparent that CEOs and, and, and the like really just needed to talk through stuff. They needed an objective thought partner who was highly confidential and could push back on them, um, offer up other considerations, kind of challenge the way they think and the reasons that they think in a certain way. And so that's really where becoming an executive strategist uh, was born. So now we work with, as I said, these, these top level executives. I really get to be the thought partner with them. And uh, it is very thrilling, very gratifying. And I think um, they're making better decisions because it's been through the gauntlet of critical analysis. Uh, and in some cases, it just doesn't take place. That makes a lot of sense. So who is an ideal client for you? Well, frankly, the ideal client is anybody in those senior executive positions. Is there a specific um, we, industry or a specific type of company that you work better in? That's an interesting question, too, Seth. Um, you would think that I would work most with government since, you know, I'd spent so many years in the government. But that just hasn't been the case. It's been in the private sector and can't really tell you why that is the case, but one consulting relationship begets another consulting relationship. And most of them, in, in fact, exclusively right now, it's in, in the private sector. And the folks, the typical executive that will hire me is one that is um, relatively secure in themselves and secure in themselves enough to ask somebody to come in and challenge their thinking to make sure that the decisions that they're making are the highest and the best and, and the most well thought out. So those are typically, you know, the folks that call me. Now, I do get called for, for example, a CEO knows that they're, uh, they have a deficiency or they're struggling in a particular area. They have a communication problem. They have a hard time getting along with some of their subordinates or their board and they want to work through that. So I certainly get those. Boards will call and ask me to work with CEOs. So there is a development piece of it, but there's actually two buckets as I see it. There's the deployment piece that you talked about earlier, which is really talking through some of these challenging issues that the executive may have and making sure that they're making the, the highest and best decisions. But then there's also the development piece, which is developing somebody to a higher level of leadership competency. Absolutely. Now with our, I don't know if your client names are confidential, but without naming any names, if you can't, can you talk about a recent example of an executive you worked with, what they were hoping to work with you on, and then kind of um, the results they experienced, the transformational uh, change you were able to help bring about? I can. There's actually, a theme is probably a better answer to your question. And theme is always personnel. 
the most of the leaders that I work with do okay with trying to make decisions on expanding a market or shrinking a market or removing a product line or something like that. But, but what really gets executives balled up is the personnel issues, either having to dissolve a partnership, or let a senior VP go, making decision on who to promote, uh, who to make a partner, who to promote up to the C-suite. Those decisions seem to be the ones that consistently kind of ball up executives more than anything else. And so we come in and, and sit down and listen to the executive and see what's on their mind. And in many cases, they'll kind of deploy me down into the organization to interview people. And, and I'll come back with my own assessment. And then we'll march forward from that point. But it's this human element that seems to get us humans more balled up than just about anything. And, you know, two very recent cases, the CEOs knew exactly the answer, but just didn't trust their assessment and their gut feel on something. And so, uh, you know, I was brought in and, and um, you know, confirmed what they had thought, but it was, uh, well, I was confirming their thought and what they believed was the right thing to do. They just weren't confident enough to make that, very, in both cases, a very, very difficult decisions. And once those decisions are made, then our role is to develop whatever strategy is necessary to pull off the decision that, that they've made. And those can be very complicated, too, because you're you need to attend to a whole organization, not just the individual that you're you're working with. Absolutely. I, I, I think you're right on the money there again. Um, we greatly appreciate your time. We know how valuable it is and we know how busy you are. For our folks who are listening and want to learn more, where is the best place for them to get in touch with you? And then, of course, where can they go get the book? Well, you can uh, get a hold of me at Kevin at KevinCrawfordConsulting.com and you can access any of our work through Kevin at KevinCrawfordConsulting.com, including the book. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Kevin, thanks again so much for being here. Thanks for the time, Seth. Have a good day. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text pitch to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text pitch to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.